This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. Let's talk about money. And that's Will Romy. Zing. So today is another listener question episode, and not only do we have some health insurance questions because it's healthcare month. Once again, remember December fifteenth is the deadline for healthcare exchange enrollment for twenty eighteen, and we also have some questions about budgeting. Just in case you're someone who's either not in the United States or doesn't get their health insurance through the exchange, and you've been bored the past two episodes, or your health insurance is all set because you are a proactive human being. Yes, awesome. Um, so Lauren asks, how do I build a realistic budget that doesn't leave me unable to have little wins? So Lauren, this is what I actually love about budgeting is that you can end up budgeting for these little, you know, fabulous, tiny things in your life. And the first thing to look at is really what little wins means to you. Does it mean excellent fancy cheese? Does it get mean getting to see real progress on paying off debt? Does it mean not having to worry when you wander into Sephora or go wild in the Target $1 aisle? Does it mean getting massages or taking dance classes? Does it mean getting champagne delivered by the case to your apartment so you never run out? Or does it mean being able to book a big trip in several months that you've wanted to do? What are those little wins? And so when you put together your budget, um, first, you need to determine the cost of your necessities because those little wins are great. And I think they're really, really important to sticking to your budget overall and feeling good about budgeting. If you don't budget for some kind of little wins, you're going to end up going off track. But first, you need to make sure you've got the necessities covered. Yep. Your hierarchy of needs. Right. <laughs> and the necessities are, um, I want you to think about this in a truly bare bones way. So health insurance, a roof over your head, the power and the lights on, um, if you've got kids, making sure that they have everything they need to go to school, which usually means school fees, but it could also mean uniforms if they're in private books. school. Um, and books, obviously. And I went to public school, so you can tell <laughs> I'm like, books, what? who would buy books? And, and so I want, you to, I want you to think about necessities in really strict terms. I don't want those to expand to include, I need a burrito every single Friday because it's incredibly important. Burritos are one of my big little wins. So that's why they come up all the time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the upsized taco. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and then I want you to determine the cost of your big goals. So the stuff that's beyond the necessities, but are important to you. And so those are things like paying off debt, saving for a house, replacing a roof, um, could be even something even way bigger, like retiring early, um, making sure that you're putting enough away that you could shorten your working career. 
And then I want you to determine the cost of those small wins. So burritos are a great example. Like I realized that like I would beat myself up about going out for a burrito, you know, because I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't be spending this money out. It's about three fifty, including tip. It's like four, four dollars, mm-hmm. maybe four twenty five. Um, you know, like I always feel kind of weird about tipping too much for a burrito because I'm like, they really didn't do that much, but that salsa. They rolled it. <laughs> yeah, that salsa is delicious. Um, so when you when you determine those little wins, I want you to add up what kind of like the craziest scenario is. What is the biggest, most awesome version of those little wins? Is that a burrito every single day? Is that a massage every month? Is it a massage every two weeks? A special burrito? Yeah. Is it getting a $9 <laughs> burrito instead of a three fifty burrito? I'm too cheap. Even the $9 burrito is like, I, it's just too much. Um, <laughs> but, and I want you to figure that out. And then I want you to figure out the range. What is the smallest amount of a little win kind of spending that you would get excited about? Is a burrito every Friday like awesome because you're going to spend all all week at work like looking forward to like, oh man, Friday, I'm going to go out to lunch and I'm going to get a burrito. The Friday Burrito Club. Friday Burrito Club <laughs> was an actual thing at my workplace. I really I can see it. <laughs> I really like burritos and organizing people into activities. <laughs> so, and then I want you to figure out what that range is. So, you know, maybe it's just like, it turned out for me, two burritos a month and I feel like pretty awesome because I've got that built into the budget and then I can spend that money without any guilt, right? If it's already in the budget, that's what's so awesome about the budget is like, if it's already in the budget, I can just spend it. I know that the money's there and I've already like, when I was calm and and sat aside and put some time together for my budget, I took care of my future self and I said like, hey, you know, you here's $50 to spend on fancy lipsticks or nice cheese or burritos. <laughs> Right, so it's accounted for. You've you've already it, you know you're not taking money out of something you need to pay for your rent or it, your regular food exactly. or your kids' <laughs> education I know, expenses. I know a lot of people whose method for little wins is um, pure panic because they don't have any budgeting. They don't do any kind of budgeting, so they just kind of look at their checking account balance and see if they have money. And they spend it if there's any money in there. And then they feel really bad about it when things bounce. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not that's what's so awesome about the budget is if you are doing it and you're being proactive about it, you can avoid that. And that, I think, is often what really makes people beat themselves up about small expenses is that uncertainty as opposed to actually spending the money. Um, and then kind of the the last kind of small wins, which is for these kind of bigger trips, is I include a part of my budget called a wish farm. And these are categories where I've identified what those kind of things are. One of them is like I have a friend getting married in Jordan in mm-hmm. uh, at the end of March. And that's not a cheap trip, right? Like flying internationally uh, to the Middle East is not super cheap. Um but I'm excited about it and would like to do it if I can put the money aside. So what the wish farm is, is once all those other categories, the necessities, the um, you know the indulgences and the small wins categories are filled in, the wish farm is where I put any extra money. And this is great if you have variable income or you get p- paid on a biweekly basis, which means as opposed to semi-monthly, that means mm-hmm, you're going to mm-hmm. have some paychecks that are some months that are three paycheck months. Oh, I see. And yeah. then that extra money you can throw in the wish farm. You know, hey, maybe you got a $50, you know, in cash from your grandma at, at you know, Christmas and you go, oh, okay, awesome. I'm going to throw that in the wish farm. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And then huh, I like that. So it's sort of like a, a sinking fund for things. Yeah, things that you don't that are fun. You yeah. don't really need. <laughs> um, and I think that's really awesome. I get a huge amount of 
um, excitement from being able to fill up the wish farm, like on a month that I'm feeling really flush, I'm not necessarily going out and running out and spending that money, but just allocating that in the budget and going like, yeah, I am saving for that trip. Or like, hey, I'm saving up to buy a super fancy dress or something like that that I want. Um, you know, burritos, travel, and fancy clothes, pretty much. Those are my <laughs> indulgences. That's Yeah, what else do you need? <laughs> um, and then the last but not least thing that you should do is give yourself grace. So a lot of people look at the budget and they decide that budget means that they're going to restrict themselves and that it's going to make them miserable. And a realistic budget means, you know complete austerity and hard times at all times and that they're living on a budget and they're miserable. Um, <laughs> first thing, I have never, I've been budgeting for a long time. I've never had a month where I've spent exactly the same amount of money, right? You know, like it, the awesome thing about budgeting is it lets you roll with the punches, move things around. Right, account for those random yeah. variables. Like if you decide, hey, I really want a massage. This is a thing I really need. I just ran a conference or something like that or I just ran a marathon. I really want a massage find the other budget categories to pull that money out. You can go, man, this is a really awesome win for myself, and maybe I'm going to spend a little less on groceries next month. Um, hmm. Right, right, because you've got that direct flexibility and figure yeah. out how to make it work. Um, and I think last but not least, I, I give yourself grace, and rolling with the punches I think is really important. Don't beat yourself up when you go over budget. Um, you know, if you spend a little bit more on small wins, just figure out where else to pull it from. Um, this is particularly great if you're doing the sinking funds that I've recommended, which is where you put a little bit aside for um, infrequent expenses we've talked about before. But you can pull some money out of those. Maybe fill them in the next month if you go over. Like, don't beat yourself up. I think one of the biggest ways that people get off track with the budget is it's not perfect the first month they do it, so they give up and they think they're a failure, uh -huh. <laughs> right? And it's never that's never going to be true, especially if you've just started budgeting. You're going to totally forget that the school fees come due in October or, you know, that like, oh, oh crap, my auto insurance renews. Like, you're going to forget stuff, um, and it just takes budgeting over time to get used to it. Um, I also have a category called whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, okay. Um, and whack-a-mole is where I just kind of have a set, like it's about $80, and I just take money out of that category if I really had some like weird, unexpected thing. Like I'm uh, I'm getting Hanukkah gifts for, um, you know, some my partner's um, niece, nephews, and I was like, oh, I totally didn't this budget for this. Budget. Yeah, this wasn't in the budget. <laughs> like, I didn't realize I'd be spending money on Legos. Um, that they, they're two, they're three, so they don't listen to this podcast. So I have not... a Lego category in my budget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil a surprise for them. Um, so, and, and that's a great example. Or just like, oh, oh, I spent more on groceries this month because I decided to get really nice mm -hmm. cheese. Or, or this month, uh, heating bills. My gas <sighs> bill was way higher than it oh. was in July. <laughs> oh, I'm cringing. I'm cringing at my heating bill right I'm now. I'm shivering because my furnace doesn't do much. Oh, but... <laughs> no. Yeah, I live in a, um, this is like, whining on the yacht problem but i live in a uh an excellent apartment that has full length glass windows on the third floor oh yeah <laughs> and uh it's not really possible to get both light in the apartment and keep heat in <laughs> normally those go together that's frustrating <laughs> it's very frustrating <laughs> All right. I hope that answers your question, Lauren. Um, and if anybody has any questions about setting up a budget, we do always have the ohmydollar.com slash budget. And you can download kind of our quick start budget there and uh, give it a go and let us know if you have more questions. Cool. Our next question comes from Sarah. Sarah asks, I heard that I can tax deduct the cost of my health insurance if I'm self-employed, but how does that work? I work a regular job part-time without benefits. 
and earn about 6000 per year from freelance marketing and design work. Where and how do I deduct the cost? Oh, this is such an excellent question, Sarah, because it's really confusing to people, especially if you're used to using like one of those, you know, the free tax software online. A lot of them are not set up very well for self-employed people. And so they fail you to fail to ask you the questions that could actually save you thousands of dollars on your taxes. Huh. So, yes, if you have 1099 income, if you are self-employed, you can deduct your health insurance. Um, this is going to sound kind of technical, but uh, bear with me. So essentially, you enter this on line 29 of your 1044. <laughs> and, and I know that seems scary because um, I just threw a bunch of random numbers out there. The thing I want you to understand is this is called the self-employed health insurance deduction. It actually literally says that on line 29, just self-employed health insurance deduction. It is not the same as deductible medical expenses. Medical expenses has a really restrictive um, definition of what you can deduct. It has to be essentially over 10% of your adjusted gross income for the year, uh -huh. um, which it's unlikely that you're in the scenario where that is true. Um, and you also have to have enough other deductions that uh, you would take the standard, um, you would itemize your deductions, which gets complicated. So all I want to say is you want to take the self-employed health insurance deduction, not the medical deduction. So here's the other thing to know. You need to have some earned income from your business. We've talked before, if you're a 1099 contractor, there's a ton of stuff that you can deduct mm -hmm. and reduce your total tax burden. So um, Sarah made $6,000 in freelance income, but say that she had $4,000 in deductible business expenses, which is kind of high for a graphic designer, but say she like bought a new laptop for work. Some sort of tablet. Yeah, yeah bought a laptop, maybe bunch bought a tablet, paint. and uh, <laughs> you know, spent a bunch of money on Adobe software or something. Which pencils. Is, yeah, <laughs> pencils. <laughs> bunch of paper. I, that is a lot of pencils. Reams and reams of paper. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> so she spent $4,000 on all these random things, and then she also spent $2,400 on health insurance. Um, so she would not be able to deduct more than $2,000 of the health insurance because it can only come out of your profit from the business. So profit, remember, is the total revenue, which is the $6,000 she earned, mm -hmm. minus the expenses, which are those deductible expenses. So $4,000 of expenses, we're, we're left with $2,000 of profit, according to the IRS. Uh -huh. She can only deduct health insurance if she has a profit in the business. Oh, because otherwise it would go to negative 400. Yes, okay. it would go to negative 400, and you can't um, go over into that into the loss territory. It can only come out of your profits, which I don't totally understand, but whatever. Um, IRS is complicated. So <laughs> <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is here is to get even more complicated. There is a really frustrating thing. So this is a holdover, actually. This has been true forever, way before the ACA passed. Mm -hmm. This has been true for self-employed people. But there is a frustrating and weird part of this stupid health insurance loop, which the IRS has fully admitted is confusing and broken <laughs> and had to come up with complicated formulas to help you avoid, which is that your adjusted gross income, which we've mentioned before, or your AGI, is what you use to qualify for health insurance premium assistance on the healthcare exchange, right? Remember when they ask you to predict your income for the next year uh -huh, and uh -huh. they ask for your adjusted gross income? So you'll say like, oh, I will earn about $30,000 yeah. in adjusted Slightly gross income. Slightly more than last year, I think, is usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so here's the awesome thing about the self-employed deduction. Because it's actually considered a business expense, technically it's in a slightly different category, but it, it lowers your AGI. So if you made... You know, if you had thirty thousand dollars and you had two thousand dollars of deductible self insurance, uh, mm -hmm. self employed insurance expenses, um, you would have a twenty thousand dollar AGI. 
Okay, okay. I think I follow. Right? Does that make sense? But your Mm -hmm. AGI is affected by the cost of your health insurance premiums if you're self-employed. So the amount of premiums that you qualify for, you might qualify for more healthcare assistance at $28,000 than you do at $30,000. But say your health insurance cost gets more or less expensive because of a different amount of subsidy you get on the exchange, right? So like, if my income is lower, I will get $200 of assistance each month versus if my income is higher, I might get only $150 each month. I see. You can't deduct the full cost of your health insurance, only the portion that you're paying. So it really is kind of a weird little feedback loop. Oh my God. So this is the actual IRS statement on this. The amount of self-employed health insurance premium deduction is based on the premium tax credit, and the amount of the credit is based on the amount of deduction, a circular relationship. Consequently, a taxpayer eligible for both a deduction and premiums paid for qualified health plans and a premium tax credit might have difficulty determining the amount of those items. So the IRS is essentially saying, this is so complicated, we're confused by it. Yeah, that's... that's it's very yeah, that's that, that that's genuinely a, a a repeating non-terminating sequence and some pretty much huh. so <laughs> essentially what they've done is they've designed the irs has realized this admitted it and they've actually designed this thing called the um iterative calculation and there's two mm, different kinds yeah i know the irs <laughs> is super good at catchy names um so the iterative calculation essentially tries to like it 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 does some complicated math and there's two different versions of it to try to bounce between the two numbers to come up with the proper number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, here's what... Right, an infinite sequence converging uh, yeah. on a single point. Like, like, you know, I did a lot of complicated <laughs> math in college, and I'm pretty sure I would not... I'd have to sit real hard with these formulas to really understand them. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to tell you. The awesome news about this is, is that most tax calculators will do the math for you. So um, I'm... This is... We get no kickbacks from this. I'm just going to tell you what I use, which is H&R Block... Um, and that is because I have found them better than a lot of the other competitors for self-employed people. Hmm. They tend to do a better job of asking you about things that you expenses you might have as a self-employed person. I've always used the same one I've always used because that's been the one I've been using. So I'll have to try that one out yeah. this time. <laughs> um, one other pro tip, you guys, I'll talk more about this during tax season. But um, one of the really interesting things is if your adjusted gross income is below like $60,000 a year, then you actually get free tax prep software. But you have to follow the link from the IRS's homepage. So um, to to the H and R block to H and R block or TurboTax or any one of these gotcha, gotcha. to get the free e file which you are legally entitled to you have to follow the link if you just go to you know taxprepsoftware.com you won't necessarily get that free e file so I've been paying that premium like a sucker this whole time yeah huh. and the I mean the cool part is any part that any amount of money that you pay to prepare your taxes is write offable on your taxes the following year uh, huh. <laughs> um, so you know if you paid like forty dollars or a hundred dollars to get your taxes prepared you can write that off but because um, the IRS does realize it's really mean to tax you on the money that you pay to pay your taxes. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like another circular <laughs> relationship. Um, yeah, this is one of the reasons why the tax code and tax reform is so complicated is because there's a bunch of things like this in the tax code. So all I'm going to say about this health, uh, this health and ins- self-employed health insurance deduction, you really don't want to do the calculations by yourself if you fall in that category of you qualify for some subsidy for your health insurance on the mm-hmm. exchange, but also you can deduct it as a business expense because you had some profit. Um, but use a piece of tax software that walks you through it. If if you do your taxes and it never asks you about your health insurance expenses, but you are self-employed 
and you had some profit for your business, then you should investigate. Huh. That's really interesting. So here's 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 sort of a dumb question. Say I'm hearing all this tax stuff and being like, holy crap, I gotta get on top of this. Can I start this process now? Um, so that's that's a good question. Um you can kind of start preparing for your taxes as far as doing some like gentle calculations with yourself now mm-hmm. um but Probably usually finding paperwork even to be useful at this point yeah okay. um but you need to actually have your w4s and your uh it, which usually come in the mail the third week of january oh yeah oh those um <laughs> one thing yeah and if you're someone like me and will that has a ton of jobs you know they all they all wander in at random times based like on christmas the, the organizedness um one thing I will say about that is getting your receipts in order so that you know exactly how much you've spent on business expenses if you're self-employed mm-hmm. will make your life so much better. Um, if you haven't been doing that all year, despite the fact that I've mentioned, maybe you should be. Maybe you should, yeah. Um, you know, take some quiet time if you've got some quiet time over the holidays or at the beginning of the new year to sit down and, you know, dig through that shoebox of receipts or whatever you have and come <laughs> up with um, some numbers there. One last thing is that um, IRAs, which can also, um, individual retirement accounts, can also lower your traditional one, can lower your adjusted gross income. You can make contributions to that for this this year, this tax year, up until tax day next year. Oh, so, so, oh, so that's the, the year. I'm, I'm making quotation no, marks. No, generally everything else is during this year. The only thing for which you can make contributions all the way up until tax day of next year. Is your IRA. Is your IRA. It's huh. like the one exception. Um, and that's what's really cool. So when you, um, if you realize like you might qualify for the savers credit, which we've talked about on previous ones, you you could realize that in February and make a contribution for this tax year, 2017. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Um, and I like to do that because there's a lot of really cool things that you can make adjustments to um, and maybe get more money back. I'm going to get like $1,000 uh, back from the savers credit so this can, year. Okay. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. Cool. Um, do we have one more health insurance question? Yeah, I have a question. So I just finished my healthcare.gov application. Yay! Which was great. I qualified for Medicaid. And that was it for the paperwork. And I'm worried. Is there more to do? (laughs) I was really expecting a lot more paperwork. Nope. There is not more paperwork to do. Um, If you filled in that application and you qualified for Medicaid in Oregon, it's called the Oregon Health Plan, um, you are done. You now will get um, notifications. We do what's called coordinated care. So you'll get notifications of like who your provider has to go through in the Mm -hmm. state. Not every state has that. Um, one thing, but you'll get information and it'll come in January. One thing to know is that qualifying for Medicaid, um, everything else for health insurance is based on your annual income. However, qualifying for Medicaid is based on month to month income. Right. There were a lot of, a uh, lot of things I had to agree on saying as soon as my income changes, let Oregon know. Yeah. So if you even have just one super awesome month where you did a bunch of work or like a bunch of money fell into your lap for one month. Technically, you are required to let them know. Hey. Gotcha. However, if you personally know, man, my income went over $3,000 and I totally don't qualify for Medicaid this month, but like next month I'm going to have no income at all and over the, to- the total annual income is still going to fall below mm-hmm. the Medicaid limit, which is around 17000 for a single person in Oregon, um, then it's nice to alert them. But essentially, you can tell them like, don't kick me off. I still qualify overall. And so, so say I did come into some higher paying job or, or, or more work or something, would that qualify as the sort of life change, which would let me 
reapply for a different health insurance plan? Um, yes, it should. Technically, it's not on the list of life changes, but um, being kicked off of Medicaid is losing your health insurance. Oh, and that counts and as a life losing, change. So li- losing your health insurance is a life change. And um, being kicked off because you're making too much money, which is usually a good thing, mm-hmm. um, then uh, you are in the camp where, yes, that qualifies as a life change and you can enroll. Cool. Cool. So um, one thing I will say is that Oregon Health Plan can be very frustrating to get on and off of. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me about 18 months to get off of Oregon Health Plan after <laughs> I didn't qualify for it anymore. Um, this was in the very early days of the Oregon Health Plan expansion, and I think that they have gotten better. Maybe but, maybe streamline the process. Well, I'll, but I, I spent will. <laughs> like a collective 40 hours on the phone being like, I have other health insurance. Will you please? <laughs> <laughs> I will I will report back with 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 details and experiences. Yeah, I look forward to Will making more money and then we can find yeah, out his exactly, process. Exactly, exactly. That's the plan. That's <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right. I think that wraps our show for today. If you are listening to this before December 15th, please if you have not yet done it, go to healthcare.gov and get yourself health insurance for 2018. Health insurance is important. I like mm-hmm. you to live and not go bankrupt. Yep. <laughs> would impact our listener count yes exactly <laughs> our producer is will Romy, and our intro music is by aaron parecki i'm lillian carebake your personal finance educator and host till next time remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you <laughs> <laughs>